billion dollar debt. I mean, this is, un, you know, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. So I'm just saying it's really, I mean, like what I do, I, I don't really watch television. I'm not criticizing anyone who does. I don't watch TV. I simply refuse to watch it. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I mean, even music, you know, I have to be very careful because I realize a lot of the music is, um, is engineering. It's, it's got subliminal stuff in it. It's got stuff in it that's really not very healthy, I can tell. And that doesn't matter what genre. It's not just the heavy metal. It's not just the rap. I mean, you, you have to be careful these days with anything, unfortunately. So I have to basically try to listen to music that, you know, maybe came out 20, 30, 40 years ago. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but that's what I do. Uh, or I'll listen to, like, classical music, you know, because it doesn't have any lyrics. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's something wrong with it, too. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, seriously, you have to just be, you know, you have to be prudent. So all I'm saying, and you know, maybe I'm getting a little long-winded, is that, yeah, what we're dealing with is the lie. And I think um, M. Scott Peck, I think he is now, I think he died, actually, but he was a he was a psychologist or something. Uh, anyway, he wrote a book called People of the Lie. And I just reading that book, I, I see so much of what he wrote there is what we're dealing with right now. You know, all of this is based on lies, lies, you know, see. And so that's what we're, we're really battling. It's really the truth versus the lie. And that's what I see. This is a, this is a struggle of truth versus non-truth. And uh, that's what, that's what this is, you see. So I believe uh, truth will win out in the end. Yes, I do. So that's that's my hope, and that's my faith. And uh, <laughs> I guess the way I look at it is um, you just never give up, no matter what. Truth is going to win. This is, this, in fact, if you believe in the Bible, the battle has already been won. The, uh, the adversary has already been defeated. He's already uh, he's lost, but he's going to fight on because I guess he'll try to do what he can. But the victory, I mean, essentially the, the war, in a sense, has already been decided. He's lost, and he knows it, but he doesn't want other people to know it, and so he's going to keep you know, the illusion, the lie that somehow he's going to uh, prevail, and they're not. They're not going to prevail. And I think the people in power know this. They know who the real God is, and they know that there's a real devil, no doubt. And they know this because, you know, in spite of their depravity, they understand that. But they like the lie because, you know, they want to continue doing what they're doing. And so, anyway, I see this as a struggle between truth and uh, error, and... Um, that's it. So that, that, that's the battle. It's already been won in the greater sense. And now what we're really seeing is just, um, I don't know what you call it. It's like these are mop-up actions. <laughs> and we're all a part of it. We, ha we have to be. But the, the hope is, the, 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 what should I say, the good thing is that the, the, um, you know, the real battle between you know, what's good and right and what isn't, that one's already been decided. And so the current ruler of this planet, yeah, he, he's ruling for now. Uh, he knows what's coming, and he knows where he's headed, and he's he's not happy about it. Trust me. And as we get much much closer to that, and we're we're near, we're getting close, but as we get closer to that date, he knows what's coming, and he knows where he's going. So he's going to become you know wrathful, you know. And I see this as sort of the early stages of that. This is just his wrath, you know, against those who know the truth. And um, but we we don't have to be afraid because um, 
in a sense, we've already won. But I think the hard part maybe is that we have to endure. And then, and that I'm not saying that to be Pollyanna, but it does say in the good book, you know, those that endure to the very end um, will be saved, no doubt about it. So those who and I don't mean endure by hanging on by our fingernails and, you know, this and that. But I mean actually thriving even in these dark and uh, kind of um, dece deceptive times. We could still have joy in these deceptive times. And when other people are losing hope, we actually could be a source of hope. I, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna, but um, we don't have to have despair is what I'm saying, you know. But we do need the truth and we need to, um, we need to hold on to that. And um, and I think we'll we'll be we'll be okay, you know. I, I, I mean, that's the way I look at it. So anyway, those that's my um, that's my sixth sense tonight. <laughs> um, eat, drink, and be merry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, no, seriously, don't. It's the thing about despair, and um, I'm glad we have this this line, and um, I think you know we have Ella's line, and, and there's some others I don't know about, but I think all of this is great. Because, um, it, you know, it keeps us, you know, it keeps us moving forward. And, um, and I think that's, that's a good thing. So. Well, I mean, that's, that's part of it, uh, what you just said. I mean, part of it is what you're saying is true. The thing is that, um, and the part about truth versus fiction is, is, um, is evident because, what if we if we had not had the uh, the internet yep. and we were not able to connect? Right. I mean, it's, it was like you know a lifeline for humanity because uh, there was so much deception. Yes. And there was so much um, manipulation that happened. Yeah. And now we're living in a time where we're deluged with people that have uh the truth people that have facts that are shedding light on what has happened right and i think the reason that the new world order has been thwarted and that all these things have not happened is because so many people have have become uh awakened yeah what's really going on and are resistant to um, what is uh, what's happening uh, the resistance to, to the extent that they can there's still a lot of people that are totally unaware of mind control technologies and what they can do um, and therefore we still have a lot of chaos in society but there's also a lot of um, truth that has come forward and that has freed a lot of people. Yeah. Not so that we were able to connect and share information. And that has really given us the chance, the hope <clears throat> that we can pull through all of this. And of course that we will. Oh, I agree. Uh, now we're facing uh, a president that's making a series of what I consider to be bad decisions mm -hmm. that could be um bad for the country and um and if this um shutdown continues yeah I think there will be probably some really bad repercussions from yeah. it yeah yeah um, you may be right on that one yeah 
So uh, we, we might be looking at another Iraq decision. Oh, wow. Where, <laughs> you know, 15 years later, that country is still railing. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. millions of people are still displaced by war and conflict. Millions. They've been, they've been traumatized, no doubt about it. No doubt and, about it. I mean, just think if, if millions, I mean, there's millions of people, even in the United States, would be a huge number. And we have uh, almost 10 times the population of that country. So it is, it's, it's going to take them decades, decades to really pull themselves back together again. And, you know, a lot of the people who are coming to the southern border, uh, you know, this country, uh, a lot of that has to do, and I'm not trying to be well, the devil's advocate here, but the truth is a lot of the people who are fleeing Central America, and it's, it's basically three countries, Honduras, um, Guatemala, and El Salvador. The reason that they're fleeing has to do with U.S. foreign policy down there. Um, in, in Honduras in particular, um, they had a coup d'etat back in 2009, and um, – what is uh, the, the the Obama administration? Instead of um, you know saying, look, we're not going to recognize that. That's unacceptable. They they did rec- I mean, they they didn't just come out and say, oh yeah, you know, we're okay with that. But they basically uh, they didn't you know say no no that's no good. You, you know, you can't do a military uh, you know coup. We're not going we're not going to accept that. You know, you're going to have to have real elections because uh, the guy who was democratically elected, the military basically. Uh, just threw him out of office, and it's been it's been downhill ever since. And now you've got you know drug drug um, cartels, drug gangs running wild, you know in Honduras. I think you have some of that in Guatemala, and in, uh, definitely in El Salvador. You have a MS-13, which by the way was a gang founded in Los Angeles in the jails of uh, California. That's where MS-13 started. These were El, El Salvadoran nationals who had immigrated, you know for one reason or another, and then they ended up in jail. Anyway, make a long story short, they went from California back down to Central America to El Salvador, and they've been uh, raising hell ever since down there. I mean, they're vicious. That's a vicious little gang, no doubt. But I'm just saying that's because of U.S. foreign policy. In some sense, whether we're aware of it or not, and most people aren't, our foreign policy in the last, say, three to three four decades, and just in those three countries alone, is producing the fruit now where people want to leave their country. You see, we could, however, put the um, those countries on notice. You know, Honduras, uh, Guatemala, El Salvador. That we're you're, they're going to have to make changes. You know, we, and we have the economic. I'm not. I'm not saying we don't be like a, you know, bully or something. But we could tell them, look, you know. You're going to need to respect human rights. You're going to need to, you know, change some things. And if you don't do it, we're going to put economic pressure on you so that you'll have an incentive to change. And believe me, they will. You know, these corrupt elites, they, they don't want to, you know, they don't really want to go head to head with the U.S. And I'm serious. We could, we could, you know, using economic incentives, we could basically force those countries to change you know, what's going on, you know, the, the land, much of the land is owned by a tiny corrupt uh, elite. They control all the uh, arable land, you know, the good land. And that that's always been a problem in Latin America. You know, you have this landed gentry that doesn't, you know, 
doesn't allow the average you know person there to uh, be able to farm and make a good living, you know, because it's their own. And so, you know, I'm just saying. So I, this goes before the Obama administration. But I'm saying the Obama administration basically signed off on the coup d'état in Honduras, and that's why, especially, a lot of the people who are fleeing now are are uh, Honduran because of that coup d'etat back in 09, nine years ago or eight years ago. So I'm just saying, it, none of this is um, happening in a vacuum. All of this is connected, you see. And therefore, you know, but, but of course our news media, they don't, they don't, you know, inform the public like that. They don't tell them the truth. Like, yes, U.S. foreign policy, it may not be the only reason, but we are a major reason that these people are fleeing Central America. We have, we do have some, um, inf- um, you know, we do have some fault in that, is what I'm saying. And we can change our foreign policy. We can do it. We need, and we need to do it. We need to change it so that these people won't want to flee their country, and then we won't have, you know, what, 50,000 people at our border. They'll be living in their own country, thriving in their own country. They'll have no reason to come here, okay? And that'll be a win-win for us and them, because then if they're thriving, hell, we can trade with them, right? We can, you know, we'll have good trade. We can buy their products. They can buy our products because they have the income to do it. That's a win-win, right? That's a no-brainer, okay? But what you have down there now is a, is a lose. It's a lose-lose. You know, they're losing in their country. You know, you got the drug cartels, so they're fleeing to this country. That's a loss for us because, you know, that's like we're taking in a lot of people. They're desperate. And I'm not saying we should or shouldn't, but that's not a good thing for them or us. You know, we're already overcrowded here in the United States. We, we don't really need lots of immigration. And I'm not saying that to be heartless. We don't, we have 300 and what, 20 million people, 30 million. I mean, we're on target. I think by mid century to be at 440 million people, we don't need that. You know, I live in a metropolitan area. The traffic here is unspeakable. I mean, absolutely unspeakable. And I'm not blaming all of this on immigration, but a lot of our population growth is because of legal, I'm not even talking about illegal, legal immigration. One million people. The first country, the United States is really not the first country to face uh, uh, an influx of in population. No, I agree. Look at the, the, just look at the Middle East. Oh, yeah. That is, that is also, they're facing, all those countries over there are facing war-torn uh, civilian Syria. populations that are fleeing, and that's yep. happening all over the world. It's not just Central America. Oh, I agree. I agree. And we cannot really fix the world. That's not our responsibility, well, nor can we do that. We can't fix the world, but you know what we could do? We can redress bad foreign policy. Let's just say in this hemisphere. I mean, of course, we're all we are. You know, like what's happening in Syria, we have a fingerprint there too. You know, we never should have gone into Syria. That's my opinion. We had no business going in there, but. Certainly in Central and Latin America, we could put pressure on these local, more local uh, regimes. No, 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 you don't do that. No, I'm, I don't mean sitting, I'm, I'm not talking about a military kind of thing, because I don't, I don't think that's, you know, that's not the way to go. But I mean, economically, we could tell the government of Honduras, look, you know, this is what you need. Well, I, I mean, the, the point is, they're going to do kind of what we tell them. Why? Because they have to, because we, I mean, we went in there and signed off on that coup d'etat. We could now saying okay look what's happening the people are leaving their country okay we could tell them you need to you need to have real elections you need to um respect human rights okay you need to uh we're going to help you deal with these drug cartels we're going to help you with that okay and he could 
You could say this to Honduras. You could say this to Guatemala. You could say this to El Salvador. Because all of these countries are dealing with a similar kind of problem. Okay, these drug cartels, which are, you know, they're, 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 they're well, you know, financed. Uh, they're well armed. Okay. I mean, they're like a government almost unto themselves. I'm saying they would need something like the U.S. and maybe even Canada. Canada could come in alongside us. Say, so we're going to help you deal with these drug cartels. We're going to help you. Okay. And, and well, also Mexico. That, that is something that we as as United States should not unilaterally do. No, no, no. I didn't say unilaterally. However, we'd have to do something like um, a um, an intercultural, you know, um, a coalition of countries from South and Central America right. that could maybe uh, establish something like that. But we can just invade and tell us it works. Oh, I definitely would not be advocating an invasion of any kind. <laughs> Believe it would me. have to be cooperation. It right. has to be, um, I would say, a coalition of, of countries in Central okay. and South America right. that could maybe help them establish some type of order there. But the again, we're talking country. about invading a foreign power. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not advocating invasion. By well, invasion. I mean, they don't have to do what we say. And if, if it's a military takeover, they're not going to listen. Well, no, but if we, for instance, we could, and I'm not, this might be, I mean, I don't know, but sanctions, economic sanctions. You could tell them, you know, you know, you know if you don't no, improve no, rights. No, sanctions, sanctions only hurt the people. They hurt the the, mm-hmm. the the farmers and those that are struggling. It well, you got to the leaders. But you can't target things. That is so. No, we have no. We have heard from there's a GI from Syria that okay. we are in contact with. Oh, okay. And I've been you know in in uh, communication with him, and he, his country, uh, Syria, is suffering under right. um, UN sanctions or is UN and US sanctions, one or the other. Right. But his but who is suffering is the people. Yeah, I got you. Not the leaders. I mean yeah. they have enough. They eat they well. Have enough. They're eating steak and uh but <laughs> that's not the that's ones really who are suffering, the ones yeah. that can't get jobs, the ones yeah. who the ones who are going without food and are hungry, don't have money I got you. are the people. Okay. Absolutely. So they're suffering. Derek is so right about that. This is it is is creating mayhem. Yeah. For, I'm sorry. I just, I, I really agree with you, Derek. That's all. No, no, I, I, I hear you. And I agree. I don't think it's a military solution. I don't. But I'm just saying here in the Americas, you know, um, I mean, the U.S. does have a lot of influence. I mean, there's no way we can deny that. And I agree with you, you know, unilaterally. No, I don't. I don't think that would be smart. But uh, maybe, maybe it could be something like the U.N., you know, uh, a U.N., uh, I don't know if you could get agreement, you know, in the Security Council, but, you know, basically put Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala on notice that, um, you know, if they don't respect human rights and they don't have fair elections, then, you know, well, we could give them an incentive. Look, we'll come in, not just the U.S., but, you know, other countries. We'll come in and we'll offer economic aid. And you know investment and development, but the criteria for getting that, and I'm not talking about the IMF or the World Bank because they're notorious for going in and trying to exploit you know countries that are in debt so they can exploit their natural resources. I'm definitely not advocating them, but I am saying something separate from them, you know, where 
like you say, as a consortium of nations, we go in and we offer Honduras, um, Guatemala, and El Salvador significant financial investment and technical assistance and whatever else they need, you know, help build their health infrastructure, all of that. But the condition that they get that is they're going to have to respect human rights and they're going to have to have, you know, democratic elections. What you've got in Honduras is not democratic. You have basically a junta. <laughs> they basically overthrew the last democratic government back in 09. And the uh, Obama administration failed to reject that. They signed off on it initially, or essentially. They did. They basically signed off on it. I'm saying we still could, you know, we could offer them, this would be the carrot. Well, you know, we're offering hundreds of millions of dollars of investment. I'm serious. You know, we want to make your country, you know, I mean, they've got plenty of natural resources down there. There's no reason that Hondurans should be fleeing their country. Absolutely not. They have rich um, you know, agricultural lands. You can grow all kinds of stuff down there. I think they have oil. I mean, they've got a lot of resources, seriously. So there's no reason for them to have to be fleeing their country. That's crazy. I think it's in our interest economically, morally, you know what I mean, uh, in any other kind of way you can think, to assist these people, but only uh, but under certain conditions. This is the conditions that you will receive this economic assistance and investment. Okay, and I, I think, I think you know, I think that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm not a you know I'm not a diplomat, but I think they would want that, and I know the people certainly would want to have these drug cartels you know dealt with, dealt with, so they don't have to live in fear. You know, so I would say that. And especially in the case of Honduras, they would have to have uh, agree to have uh, real elections that would be monitored. Okay, and then the people would have a chance to, you know, democratically, little d, elect whatever form of government they they want. Okay, whatever it is. I mean, if they want it and it's democratic, then that's fine. That's that's their decision. And once that's done, then I think the investment part should take place. We should invest in Honduras. I'm serious. It's worth it. Then maybe you don't need a $6 billion wall. Hell, if they're saying in their country, you know what I'm saying? You, you don't have to worry about that because they're not going to come here. I, I don't think they want to come here, you know, just for that. They're coming here for economic reasons, I think. And also, because, well, I mean, I agree that the humanitarian crisis is not the humanitarian crisis. That's what it is. The humanitarian crisis in those uh, Central and, and South American countries and the, the focus should probably be on fixing, you know, whatever we can in those countries. Right. And maybe they wouldn't be playing. I think even... Uh, if, if there's a military junta, there's probably all kinds of chaotic things going on. Right. There's not a lot we can do. We can't really force them unless we just do like another Iraq or something. No, no, no. I'm not advocating um, <laughs> I'm definitely not advocating You know, there, whatever they're going to do is going to be dysfunctional. Well, you know, if someone's going to be a, a, running a dictatorship, usually yeah. it's something dysfunctional. Right. And that's why people are playing. Well, one thing we could do, we could initiate an immediate arms embargo on the uh, ruling of the government of Honduras. You're not getting any arms of any kind. Okay. And that would and just be... Looks like it would be okay, but... Um, but well, other countries would have to agree to something. No, it'd like have that. to be a uh, UN resolution. Right. I'm saying you'd have to get global. Um, well, there are essentially, uh, yeah, they're global and uh, Central American countries have. Uh, no, I'm saying if China, Russia, 
you know, all the members of the Security Council sign off on this, okay, then there would be a complete 100% embargo of any kind of weapons to these countries, to Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. No more weapons, period. Okay, now they've got, they have these criminal drug cartels, and they're violent, vicious, okay, and they're very dangerous. I mean, they, they don't respect any kind of human rights. They're kind of a government unto themselves. That would have to be dealt with also. Now, how you would do that, I mean, I mean, like I said, these people, they're, they're heavily armed. And even though I don't advocate, I certainly don't advocate an invasion. That is not, that's not what I think would be the right thing, because I think that would be more suffering, you know, for the people there. However, uh, you are going to have to deal with those gangs, okay? They're not going to just, you know, walk away. Now, maybe some, you give them some kind of economic incentive, which is... Um, no, no, no. Gangs have no... No, and they're not going to respond. The only other thing I can think of is the UN, and I hate to say this. I agree, it should not be an American thing, but the UN would have to pass a resolution that says, okay, uh, we can't have drug cartels just running, you know, buck wild, you know, killing people, just doing whatever they want to do, and just basically destroying these countries. Okay, we can't have that if we're going to have some kind of, you know, healing some kind of economic and, you know, whatever healing in these three countries so they can stop, you know, the flow of refugees. Um, You're going to have to deal with these gangs, you know, and I hate to say that. I really do, but you're going to have to deal with them. Okay. Now, I only think I can think of is get a UN resolution and maybe give them, well, give them still, give them an incentive. Look, you know, you stop, stop, and and then we need to put a moratorium on, um, you know, drugs, you know, maybe we should legalize drugs in this country so there's no more of a market for it. I mean, seriously. Oh, my we, God. No, we don't want to legalize the drugs. No, you don't, well, I'm just saying, as long as they're illegal, and I think um, the guy, he died, I think he did it, uh, Buckley, he was a conservative commentary. He said himself, maybe it's time to consider not legalizing, but decriminalization, meaning if you're caught using drugs, maybe you don't need to go to jail for that if it's, if it's a nonviolent drug offense. Stop sending people to jail. That might cut the uh, profit, you know, because right that, now you make a lot of money on drugs. That is happening with marijuana. And I don't advocate, believe me, I'm not advocating smoking pot or heroin or any of that. I've never, personally, I've never done any of it. I don't have a desire to do it. I certainly grew up in a time when it was done. And, um, you know, I'm not judging people. I don't think it's a healthy idea. But my point is this. If you decriminalize it, it takes away, a lot. I think, a lot of the profit. You see what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to see how could you take away the profit motive. And if you can do that, you'll take all the air out of these games because their, their, their profit is drugs. You know, they're, they're, I mean, that's their uh, bread and butter is, you know, illegal drugs. And that's how they make money. So if you take away the profit, maybe that would take away some of their revenues. Okay. No, drugs are a huge, a gigantic market. I know. Um, and I'm not sure that, that that would solve, you know, the issues there in South Central and South America. Well, but um, like, I'm not saying that there's not a panacea. There's not a you know a magic uh, solution here. Probably, like you say, there, there's it's multifaceted the problem. But I think, uh, like I say, some strategies where you kind of bring the sort of a global thing. Like I say, with the UN, if you can get an arms embargo on these three countries and all of the countries that produce arms sign off on it, then that cuts the flow of arms. 
Now the drug cartels might not be a bad thing to do, yeah. but uh, but there do, but there does need to be some proactive solutions for right. those countries. Okay. And building a wall is really a band-aid solution to what's really happened. Well, I, and wall, something like, I like that, yeah. something like that would have, I mean, uh, a, a, a wall across California, New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas. I don't, well. Because 
Law enforcement, well, they're going to help. I think that we, we really need some type of coherent policy. Well, those uh, are two things. If you do those two things, I just okay. suggest that you... Can I finish okay. my sentence? Okay. I think we need some type of coherent policy for illegal immigration. And if that is something that's handleable, that, that is handled rather, then um, because, you know, every country, uh, well, many countries in the world are dealing with, especially in the cases of war, yeah, that's true. Um, people that are going to be fleeing across borders. And that right. happens all across the world. It's not just the United States. Oh, I agree. We do, we do need to kind of realize that and that that is uh, something that goes on worldwide, you know, and uh, no, always war is happening. Well, that's the so thing. It's not, like it's, it's not like that we have bad immigration policy. It's just the fact of, you know, what happens around the world. Right. And we just oh, need a coherent immigration right. policy in the event of illegal immigration because it's going to be happening no matter well, I, what. I have a uh, brother-in-law who emigrated, and it took him 10 years to get his um, citizenship. He went through the right channels. You know, he married my sister. And um, one of my sisters is. And uh, yeah, it took him 10 years. It took him 10 years. So what I'm saying is when we um, – he did it the right way, you know, I'm saying. And, you know, he's an uh, engineer today. That's all right. Really smart we just need a, uh, a coherent, illegal immigration policy. Whether people come in legally or in the case of illegal – uh, immigration, we need a coherent policy to deal with that. Because that's well, kind of no matter what, no matter what happens, and I think that the wall is a is a band-aid solution. Yo, I agree with you. That uh, you know, future presidents, you know, if it were built, yeah. future presidents would regret having that structure in the southern border because well, it inhibits it inhibits um, international relations for one thing, and uh, Mexico is, and some of the southern uh, South American countries, yeah. some of their um, economies uh-huh. are gradually, you know, pulling themselves up. Right. And it will not always be chaotic. Right. Uh, eventually, they will, you know, come together. Right. But by that time, there is an uh, an unfriendly, you know, what hundred foot wall. Between the United States, hundred foot. I thought he said thirty. Okay, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, if he if if he had enough money, he would be. <laughs> that would be. That's that's what he would like. Well, I mean, it's, that's an exaggeration. Oh, okay. That's what he would like. To say that would be. If he liked the bell. Wow. Over a huge be... stretch of land. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about uh, several states. And well, no, no, no. What I've understood, I was reading about that. They said it wouldn't be a, a contiguous wall over. That's 1,800 miles. I'm serious. You need you need two or three hundred billion. I'm saying to build that kind of thing, a five billion is not going to cover that stretch. I mean, you would need like two or three hundred billion dollars to do that. I'm I'm, I'm serious. That's an enormous uh, distance. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think a wall is really going to stop people if they can go around the wall and still can come here and get a job illegally and get employment, get taxpayer um, benefits for their children. I mean, I'm just saying there's no, you know, I think the smartest way to deal with this is if you really want to discourage illegal immigration, one is to change our foreign policy. Our foreign policy is encouraging people to leave their countries. So that would be one of the first things we need to change. 
is our foreign policy, but that can sometimes take more time. In the immediate time, I would say, okay, mandate E-Verify in all 50 states for all companies of any size from one employee up. You have 90 days to comply. That, just just that single piece of legislation or executive order or whatever, whatever you want to do it, that would make it clear. And then, oh, and by the way, and, and then if you find um, – like if you do an audit, like uh, ICE, they do an audit on a company and find that they've hired – well, first of all, you couldn't hire anybody illegal because if everybody has to go through that e-verify, I mean, unless you're going to do something off the books, you know, and maybe you have some people who are that, you know, uh, corrupt, then what you do is you have an audit. If you find people who are unauthorized, then you go after the company. And I'm talking about major, major, major fines. I'm talking about arresting and prosecuting the CEO. As well as the uh, the um, you know the head of the company, the uh, the principals, and maybe the board of directors, you know whoever, the people who are in charge, yeah, arrest them, prosecute them, and send them to prison for up to twenty five years. I would say millions of dollars in fines. Trust me, even a company that you know is large and has you know large revenues, they don't want if the CEO knows he may go to prison, okay, federal prison, and his company. You know, and if it's bad enough, they may just liquidate the company. Um, what do you call it? Liquidate the uh, corporate charter. I think that's another thing. I mean, if this is like a repeat offense or whatever, you just you go ahead and liquidate that charter and basically sell the company off or something. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, these kinds of penalties would make it clear: don't do this, don't do it, because you're going to go. If we catch you, you're going to prison. Okay, and it will be you'll be charged as a felon. This is a felony. This is not, oh, we just decided to hire, you know, desperate illegals. That's how you get this thing stopped. I'm telling you. E-Verify, if they don't do anything else in the next two months, if they mandate E-Verify in the next 90 days for all companies in all 50 states and territories, I promise you, you will see a change. <laughs> I guarantee it. And it, you don't need to, you know, like I said, you don't need to do sanctions. You don't need to send, you know, military forces to deal with the drug cartels just do e-verify okay and continue to do audits and increase the penalties like i say you you prosecute the ceo if the company has unauthorized employees that's what you do don't go after the the lower people i i say the fish rots at the head first go to the top guy or lady yeah the ceo the coo yeah those are the people that you would prosecute and then take them to, and then they would go to prison for up to 25 years or so maybe 30 years i don't know and then they should pay millions of dollars in fines, millions of dollars, multiple millions. And that's, that's trust me, one company, if you did that and one company went through that, I promise you no other company would want to say, oh, you know, the CEO says, oh, I could go to prison. I definitely could go to prison for this and then be charged as a felon and all the horror that that involved. I'm just saying, I guarantee you the companies would say, oh, no, we, we want no part of that. And then the illegals themselves would say, okay, I can't get a job anymore in the United States. Because if I go there, even if I get past you know, the border or however you come in, I can't get a job. I won't be able to get a job unless somebody hires me off the books. And then that's where interior enforcement – forget the border so much. Just start going after these companies. They know who they are. The IRS, the Social Security Administration, they know when they get these employees with these weird Social Security numbers – or social security numbers of people that are deceased or social security numbers of children who are like, you know, eight, you know, seven, five, six, seven years old. They know what's going on. They know what that is. And then they can just refer that over to, you know, ICE. ICE has an immigration uh, section. 
They can go do an audit. Believe me, it would only take a few of those, and you won't see any more of this. I promise you. That, that would be the end of all of this. And, and like I say, you don't have to spend any money. The uh, database is up and running. You don't have to spend a dime. So that's my – you talked about immigration. Yeah, that, that would solve that almost immediately, okay? And then I say clean up the uh, entry-exit visa system. Voila. There's no, there's, no, there's no incentive to come here like people have now because you won't be able to get a job. You're not going to be able to stay, overstay your visa without being detected, and you won't be able to get a job because you won't be able to pass E-Verify. There's no reason to come here anymore. People And people who have done this will self-deport. They'll just leave because they won't be able to maintain employment. You don't have to be – you don't have to round anybody up. They'll self-deport, and that's the end of it. Okay. Now, my personal pers- perspective is I think we need to reduce legal immigration. Like I said, this country, we don't, we don't need a million people coming here every year. That's not good for working and middle-class people. That's especially not good for young people who are trying to get their first job. Immigration should be a, an asset. It should be a complement to uh, whatever nation you know, you're immigrating to. So the policy should be to the benefit of the people that already live here, that are citizens naturalized or native born um our immigration is not like that we have a million legal immigrants coming every year we have a million illegal immigrants or more coming every year that is not good for american citizens i'm sorry it's not and i if i like i say if if i had my way i'd reduce immigration probably down to maybe a hundred thousand i might even say that we're just going to do a moratorium on all immigration period the only immigration we're going to allow maybe would be refugees because you know, we have all these wars, many of which we've unfortunately been involved in, and then also those who are seeking asylum because the regimes that they are fleeing are brutal. But, so those would be the only two uh, categories of immigration, asylum and refugees. Anything else, because we've had such out-of-control immigration since 1965, I would say we're just going to do a moratorium on that. But if you want to apply for asylum or you're a refugee from a war or something else, you know, fine. And maybe we could take in maybe fifty, seventy-five thousand, hundred thousand people a year like that. Maybe up to a hundred thousand. I think that's reasonable. Um, and that would be it. And like I say, you don't have to build a wall. You don't have to do any of this. If you've got E-Verify and the uh, visa system set up, it's uh, nice and airtight. Trust me. At that end, there's no, there's, there's no way you can immigrate illegally. It's over. That's that's the end of it. Okay, well, you know, I think we need a coherent uh, well, that's legal I mean, and that's things, uh, right. Okay, well, finish my sentence. Yes, sir. I think we need a, a, a coherent legal and illegal immigration policy, and that should uh, something that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And by the way, she probably send whatever thoughts you have to Washington. So and then, uh, and that, and yeah. whatever okay. whatever makes sense in a particular policy, and it works for the country, then that's yeah. that's what we should do. But uh, building a wall, I think, is, is well. I'm with you on that. I think the wall. I mean, although I, I I think they we also want to put like more barriers in certain parts. They're not talking about a uh, contiguous wall from uh, San Diego all the way over to uh, what is that city? Uh, Brownsville. I mean that, like I told and you, that would be very, that's a very simplistic solution. Well, no, it won't work. I agree with you. It's it's not going to work because all you have to do is stop coming across the southern border. By the way, what's happening on the northern border? I I, I would argue we probably have Canadians here. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm sure there's illegal Canadians here in the U.S. I'm sure of it. I mean, I'm not. You're not uh, concerned about the illegal Canadians. We don't seem to care about the Canadians, do we? <laughs> but I mean, hey, think about um, it. 
if you want to immigrate illegally, you might say, look, they're focusing on the southern border. Let me go up you know, to Canada. I'll catch a flight to Montreal or Toronto and then just ease on, a, well, go west. Probably don't want to come down, you know, into Michigan, Detroit. But you could go west, you know, in those more unpopulated areas and just come across the north, um, the border out up there, you know, in the west. Uh, what is it, Montana? Well, they'll, they'll probably be frozen by the time they get to... Well, that's, well, that's true. That that could be an issue. Well, come in the summertime. Like Canada, Canada has a functional society, so there's really not that much legal immigration. No, 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 but I mean, I'm saying for people who want to, who are coming from other countries other than Canada, if the heat, if the focus is all on the southern border, I mean, obviously, just using basic intelligence, you just come across the northern border, right? Or, well, like we said, quite a ways to go. I mean, you have okay, to. Or you just come in with a visa and then just overstay your visa. All we have to do is, like I said, if we. Impl- so that it's tied into E Verify and all. Of, so they know when you come in, we know when you got here, and we know when you're supposed to leave. Now, if you don't, we'll know. Well, no, you're not going to be able to, you know, go try to get a job and whatever, whatever, whatever. You have a lot of students who come here, you know, and they're legitimate. They come here to study, to go to university. With E-Verify, that won't be the case any longer. If you're illegal, if you've overstayed your visa, it'll be, it'll show. And you will not be able to get a job, not legally anyways. So that's my solution. If you want to end... I mean, you know, do something that's going to be significant. I think you verify the time has come. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Well, I think Again. it's an over, I think it's a, uh, immigration is really an overblown sort of a, a, well, a, a crisis. I don't think it is a crisis, but it is uh, well, overblown. I think, though, if you look at where our population is heading demographically, mo- most of our population growth right now and over the last several decades is because of immigration. It's not because of either naturalized or native-born people. Um, In fact, we probably need to be having more children. A critical issue. Well, we're heading toward toward over 500 million people by the end of this century. Okay, that's a half a billion. That's where we're heading. I'm serious. If we can... Birth rates, going, birth rates are going down. No, 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 no. But with that, with our immigration situation in the U.S., our our population, regardless, is heading up. It's going up. Well, our population is going up, but the birth rates are going down. Um. Well, among I think you're right. Among uh, native-born Americans and naturalized, it may be going down, but among immigrants, it's not going down. It's going up. And, so why um, is that a crisis? We have that's so not necessarily. Free land. We've got tons of land that is not. No, what I'm saying is. We're heading, like I said, we're heading at 330 million people. We're nowhere soon, you know, about to fill up like India or China. Well, I said 441 million by 2065. I think that's the estimate. And then by the end of the century, we're probably looking at somewhere around five. 550. So we'll be over half a billion 
if we can take, I'm saying we just do what we're doing, don't change. Assuming we don't have more immigration, but if we just stay where we're at, we're heading to over half a billion by the end of the century. That's a lot of people, and I'm saying it's going to. And the more people you get, the more people you're going to get. I mean, it's just going to keep growing. I think one of the things too, we talk about climate change, we talk about the loss of uh, habitat, natural habitat. All of that is not related to immigration, but a lot of it is. A lot of it is because you have to build more schools, you have to have more infrastructure, you have to you're using more, you know, petroleum. Right? We don't have electric cars yet. Not. In the main. Well, what is the uh, what is it the illegal immigration population? Do you know that? Oh, it's huge. I, well, that's the thing. You know, the Pew um, the Pew um, Institute is that the name of the Pew study. They claim anywhere between 11 and 20 million. I think it could be north of 20 million. I really do. I mean, because <laughs> um, I mean, there's some suggestion that one fourth of the population of Mexico. Now resides in the United States. I'm dead serious. That's not good. He was very good, very good person. But then she was born here too. She was um, her family had been here for generations. So that I, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to have to say that. I think Mexican culture is wonderful, especially their food. I love their food. But um, I'm just saying we have to have some respect for the rule of law. And if we're not going to do that, we're telegraphing to the rest of the world, come as you want, anytime you want. You don't have to respect our laws. You just do what you do. And as long as you can get to U.S. soil, you pretty much have it made. You don't have to immigrate like my brother-in-law did, you know, and follow the law. I mean, he had to go through all kinds of, you know, hoops and hurdles. Well, that's and- not what I was saying. I was saying we, we, ha- we need a coherent um, legal and When you um, tolerate bad behavior, I'm sure you've heard this. Uh, all it does is I'm not saying that we should. I'm just saying that we need a, a coherent policy. Okay. Right. Well, I would, I'm gonna, maybe I'll call my congressman tomorrow. I'm going to suggest that they um, consider implementing mandatory e-verify. Okay. Because I, like I said, my company's already doing it. You know, and it's voluntary. I guess it's not mandatory, or maybe it is mandatory here. I don't know. I'm not sure. But the point is. I think by mandating E-Verify, it puts all companies on the same level uh, playing field. So those rogue business owners who want to get an unfair advantage by exploiting their labor, that's going to make it much more difficult. And I think everybody should be, you know, as far as that would be um, more, um, I'll be more inclined to accept that than children. We agree, Derek. Very good, my friend. Excellent. <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to leave it at that. Let's mandate E-Verify. I, he, he might be able to do that by executive order. I, rather than shutting down the government and hurting all these people, hell, I would have said, look, excuse my language, by the way. Uh, I would have said, no, I'm going to just, if I can't get Congress to do it, I'll just mandate E-Verify. Uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't do that. He'd have to go through Congress, and he could probably do something like that. Okay. Well, I know you can get it through the Senate because you know they control the Senate. But I don't know with Nancy Pelosi in the House. I don't know. That, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't think. She, I mean, she's open borders. I I really believe that. I'm serious. No, she is not. I think she is. Oh, she is not. She's more than. No, she's. She's never. <laughs> well, she. 
Oh. She is still born for charity. She's not oh, well, I, that's not been my impression. Okay, well, maybe I'm incorrect on that. But and why would she be for open, open borders? What advantage well, would that be to her? Because if you're running a, a winery, I think her doesn't her husband or something own a large. She owns a lot of real estate in in San Francisco. That's all. That's oh, is that what it is? Okay, I thought they had a winery or something. Well, you know what I'm saying. If you own like if you're agriculture, maybe they don't. Okay, maybe I had that wrong, but. You know, you can get these people in there. They're desperate. Pay them illegal wages, and what you save on labor. You know, your labor costs. That, it's Trump who's been paying illegals at his, his golf course. Well, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And the people <laughs> up front telling their supervisors that they are illegal. Right. Really? Hard. Yeah, I heard. A, I heard about something. That's pretty despicable too. <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying if you mandated all of this goes away. All this. Oh, while like Linda. Uh, or, or myself, I'd like to interject uh, 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 some uh, uh, points that, that you're just kind of passing over. What's that? Uh, one of the reasons why this immigration, the refugees thing around the world is so bad is because, uh, like you, uh, somebody said earlier, uh, you know, foreign policy. We, yeah. U.S., as you agreed, that is creating the conditions that, that cause the uh, immigration uh, in the first right. place. Now, here's something you need to take into consideration and that is geoengineering. Uh, uh, our weather is largely controlled. It's manipulated. It's yeah, you got a point there. there. If you're in Guatemala and you cannot make a living, you cannot grow corn because there's a drought, there's not enough water, you've got to go somewhere else, you know, yeah. to, to feed your family and stay alive. Or right. if you're in, in uh, El Salvador with the gangs and everything, and then if you're an 18-year-old or a teenage boy, you've got right. the choice of either to join the cartel or, flee. or to be shot. And uh, have your, your mother and sister uh, raped and murdered in front uh, of you. That's, you know, these are, I heard about that. Yeah, that's, you got a point. These well, are realities. Now, now, in addition to that, again, about the U.S. Uh, creating these conditions, these horrible, horrible conditions, right. it's all, all for profit. You know, your prez has been over there in Saudi Arabia, uh, the art of the deal, making deals, big billions and billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars in arms. The U.S. is the, the world's number one arms dealer and, and oh, really? manufacturer and seller. You know, and somebody wow. else all pointed out 70% of the budget goes to uh, the DOD. Uh, you know, we need to scale I don't think it's 70, but yeah, it is a large amount. And, and killing ourselves and every everything and everybody. You know, we need to have a whole new policy. I would say let's get a... a more of a female mind in the <laughs> Oh, really? Female, but well, the right male would do, and I'll tell you, the one that's there is not right-minded at well, all. I hear what you're saying, although I would interject that... Says the way to treat a, a woman is to, to treat her like shit is not <laughs> my, uh, right. my ideal... Uh, you know what? I was going to say, the, the lady who's the head... Uh, was she, she the head of... Uh, I think she was the head of... She, I don't know if she's the head of the CIA now, but she was involved in the torture program under Bush, uh, under Bush Jr. So anyway, she, going back to what forgot, I... I'm just saying, so it's not, it's not always a male-female thing. I'm right, just saying, that's all I'm saying. It's wonderfully so. eloquent, and in what he said, you know, uh, we, we need to, instead of building walls, we need to build bridges. And oh, we, yeah. we, we need to stop uh, destroying the, the uh, ecosystems and, right. and everything on it. If you would take up, you know, take up, uh, take a little look and see what's going on. Ninety percent of the fish population is goner, and and uh, the people in the tropics depend upon 
on fish, uh, yeah. uh, you know, for protein and stuff. Right. You know, things are, are going to shit, you know, uh, ecologically speaking. Oh, I agree. I, I agree. And I, like I said, I, this is not a simple. Yeah. And, uh, geoengineering, geoengineering, yeah. uh, weapon, uh, uh, warfare, um, yeah. weather warfare. You know? Weaponized weather. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I, it's not a simple thing. I agree with you. Um, we do need to change our foreign policy. I definitely agree with that. I definitely. Dean Wigington is doing a hell of a good job of uh, trying to educate the public, you know, about about uh, the geoengineering, which is as as uh, in, the, in the front of his all of his pod, podcast, he has a, a quote from uh, it has Martin Luther King himself saying, "He who controls the weather controls the world." Oh wow! That is right. Uh, you you know, it is the single biggest weapon. Yeah, I think you may be right. Wrong you know, right. I mean, I, I can look at our weather. There's there's something wrong. I mean, there's this is just this is abnormal weather. I mean, cars crazy. and all that stuff. You know, keep buying, buying, buying. Right. Going green. You know, and the energy efficient shit that doesn't right. last very long and is detrimental to us. It ends up in the in the oceans, and and then we've got a. Pacific uh, garbage patch is now twice oh, yeah. the size of Texas. And right. most fish have like nanoparticles in them. You know, we are definitely, the earth is being destroyed, and that's what, and the air, uh, you know, yeah. and us too. And you're talking about population stuff. I don't know if you look lately, but the last three years, um, uh, the uh, uh, death rate has gone up, and the, the uh, longevity thing has gone south. A oh. lot of are committing suicide, and by the way, that includes teenagers who are addicted to their phones and social media. Right. Yeah, you got a point there. They're they're dangerous. I agree with you. Those cell phones. On that, on that subject, lastly, uh, uh, you might be interested in knowing that uh, in the paper yesterday, I I read the print media since I'm electrosensitive and cannot tolerate wireless stuff. Right. Uh, um, there is a wonderful article uh, <laughs> that Doc talks about. The, the health of uh, the uh, social media and the um, uh, Google, uh, Apple, uh, Netflix, uh, and the two, two other, uh, Amazon and Facebook. Together, oh, yeah. they lost a trillion dollars last quarter. Really? Rising up about the harm and damage that their products, cell phones and iPads are doing to their children. So the uh, mommies are getting together on the in the blog sphere and talking. And, oh, wow. uh, and even good. That's good. Silicon Valley have, have recognized harm and damage, and they're not letting their kids anywhere near wow. phones and iPods. This is a growing phenomenon. Wow. Also, something else that you can put in the mix is that here recently, Apple alone, their market value, value plummeted 74 billion dollars oh wow in a short period of time yeah, i think you i've know, heard something about that people are rising up and by the way a lot of this is that you talked about e-verify people don't want their data uh, uh, uh all over the place you know and sold that's also what's driving this um right. uh you know uh, uh facebook and so forth they, that's what they do it's all about data big money oh yeah and, big data well, I was going to say, though, E-Verify is already up and running, and uh, it's based, I think, on your social security number. I think they already have that, you know what I'm saying, if you have a social. And well, I'm just I saying, don't have my social, you know, or anybody else. 
No, but when you go to work, when you even now, even before, even if your company doesn't use E-Verify, they ask you for a social. I mean, or most companies do, I think. So yeah, they have to pay your taxes. They have to have to right, just so they can yeah. deduct your taxes. It's not a healthy yeah. situation, you know. A big brother and and a, and a, a big control, which is you know. Uh, you say, do you want somebody to to uh, monitor your every word? And your every movement, because that's no, what we. I don't. I a lot don't. of people on this call, they need to realize that their right. stalking, surveillance, and torture is done right. through uh, cell phones. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Definitely. Yes. I know. And they need to that. get rid of their wireless devices. You may have a point. Regain yeah. their independence right. and health. Yeah, I agree. I, the cell phone is. <laughs> I mean, they're dangerous, you know, and. Uh, a lot of people, they hold them up to their head. They don't even have the little, um, what do you call it, the little attachment, so you don't have to have it right up on your ear. And so they, um, yeah, they're just talking on these phones, you know. Also, when they're not talking on them, they wear them on their waist in a lot of cases. So they got the phone on, up against, you know, on their waist, and that's going into your body. And that's that's not good. It's not good at all. I mean, I have a cell phone. What I do is I just, if I use it, I uh, put it usually on speaker, right? And keep it away from me. And when I'm not using it, I put it in another room where it's charging. <laughs> just completely in another room. I don't I don't sleep in the same room with my cell phone. So that's that's the way I do it. But I, I acknowledge they are dangerous, you know? And they are, um, people don't seem to, you know, they don't understand that. The military weapon in the telecommunications industry, as I've said before, has been wildly successful in, in keeping the truth and, and uh, the harm uh, away from us, right. including suing uh, Berkeley and uh, San Francisco when they, they brought uh, the issues to court about uh, having uh, information at the point of sale, but also uh, 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 marginalizing anybody that speaks up. Like, for instance, my town right now, we've got a cancer cluster that is caused uh, by a crown castle cell tower with AT&T antennas on it. And our city has supported these people, you know, uh, 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 that have come before the city council. They're doing the right thing. And they have they have written to crown castle and AT&T, AT&T and asked to uh, remove the, uh, the cell tower off the antennas. Well, um, uh, you know, big business doing what they want uh, it has, has not responded. Yeah. And then now, is this the uh, 5G or the 4G that you're talking about? They're getting cancer, and they're not getting any better because they, they're like, uh, well, they're, they're being exposed right. to radiation. radiation that the 2.4 gigahertz uh, that, that all this stuff functions on. Gotcha. It is lethal technology. should never have been foisted on us. should never oh, have been made available. Right. We need to take back our power. You may be right on that. I, I think I agree with you there. Now, is this... Uh, you know, 5G or is this uh, 4G that you're talking about? It would be 4G, although they've already apparently set it up so that they could have 5G on the same antenna, as you know. Oh, no. Yeah, I hear that's going to be pretty bad. Pretty well, bad. It is. It is. And so you should know that there's a global movement to stop that, too. Oh, I'm, good. Some other people, you know, like I have a colleague in, in uh, um, Washington, D.C. right now. He's oh. there for the third time lobbying to stop okay. Excellent. Arthur Firstenberg, author of 
um, and, and Invisible Rainbow, uh, 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 a history of uh, electricity and life. I spoke with him today. He's got a wonderful um, petition out, uh, an appeal, a global appeal to stop 5G. Good. Um, Good. He needs support. And we need we need global media to raise awareness about how dangerous this, this all is. is. Yeah. So most of the people on this call and the public at large, they don't know. Uh, they, 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 they uh, don't many know. of them think, oh, yippee-dippee, know. you know, I can get TV I on my cell phone. Yep, I agree. But, heck, I, I mean, I, I felt like just doing Internet on the cell phone. I don't do that. Um, but I know a lot of people do. Uh, I have family members who tell me, well, you know, just use the Internet on your cell phone. And then you don't have to wait till you get home to use your desktop. You can just use the cell phone. But like you say, you know, there's uh, risks. And, um, you know, the radio frequency waves are, and you say, 2.4 gigahertz. Um, I mean, that stuff is going somewhere, all that radiation. And um, I agree with you. I think wireless, yeah, I think it's, it's dangerous. I do. I absolutely do. And not only that, it's hard to secure it because... You know, unlike if you have an Ethernet, you know, a, you know, a cable that you plug into the wall, that's easier to maintain, you know, your uh, your privacy. When you're doing the stuff through the air, that's very difficult, you know, to keep that from being, um, you know, hacked or, you know, somebody uh, intercepting that and uh, just basically uh, looking at your data. Absolutely. So I've never been a fan of cell phones or any kind of, you know, wireless Anything. I think you're right. It, it's inherently uh, risky in terms of health, but it's also inherently uh, insecure in terms of uh, security. So, yeah, um, you're, you're definitely preaching to the choir on that one. So, um, yeah, I think we, we need to, We do need to maybe um, take a look at this and probably um, take a stand against it. Some people like CEOs and stuff in jail, you know, look to Zuckerberg. And, and, and <laughs> my favorite CEO. I'm kidding. <laughs> I've never been on Facebook. <laughs> well, I take that back. I went on it using a proxy once, <laughs> and it said, "What are you doing? We need to recognize you. You know, we need to put cookies on your system." I'm like, "Oh no, no, not going to happen." No, but no, I've never, I've never used Facebook, honestly. And I heard a lot of the younger people uh, today; they're no longer using Facebook. They're now going to stuff like what Instagram and stuff like that. But, you know, Facebook owns uh, Instagram, right? What we need is uh, an open source platform that respects uh, privacy. So it would be maybe like a Facebook, you know, like an Instagram, only it would uh, respect your privacy, right? And the business model would not be based on your data because, I mean, that's, you know, that to me, that's Google's fatal flaw. Their business model is based on your data. I think that's reprehensible. Uh, Facebook, same thing. It's based on your data. So to me, those are the that's an incorrect uh, business model, you know. But obviously, they've been relatively successful. Although I do think that um, well, Facebook, something I don't know if they are losing revenue. Something is happening. I, I don't think they're growing like they were, and I think they're starting. Okay, I told you yeah. the last uh, last. Quarter, that's like the last three months of last year. Okay. Uh, together, Facebook, Google, Apple, Netflix, and Amazon oh. lost a, pro- a trillion dollars. Okay, so you're right. People wow. don't want their data. Gotcha. Stolen. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so Privacy. glad. Privacy. That. That's Not beautiful. 
including you know including the, uh, yeah. okay. the loss of sales. Wonderful. People are waking up. Mommies uh, are. are <laughs> they're, they're protecting their cubs. Yeah, I I um I used to use a search engine called uh, and I don't mean to be vulgar, hopefully, but it was called uh, uh, Scroogle. S-C-R-O-O-G-L-E. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I don't think they're still operating. Yeah, I think you get the idea what they were telling Google. <laughs> this guy, he was some um, some IT whiz. Um, I don't know. I think he was in California. And anyway, he was just scraping the Google search, you know, engine or architecture or whatever. So you got, you know, Google results. But instead of them getting your IP address, they got, you know, Scroogles. Uh, IP address and it, it was awesome. I used it for, I think about uh, a year, year and a half. It was pretty cool. But I think Google eventually started blocking them, so they couldn't couldn't do it anymore, unfortunately. But you know, you have Start Page, right? You have Start Page today. I think they had another one called IX Quick, but I think all of it now is just StartPage.com. Uh, and Start Page, you know, uses you know Google's um, architecture. When you do the when you do a search, but again, instead of Google getting your data and your IP, it gets uh, you know start pages, and I think they're in the Netherlands, so they have better um, you know privacy laws than what we have here. Unfortunately, I mean I know it's hard to believe. So, and I think most of their servers, although they have them here, you have an option when you use Start Page to use just uh, European Union servers. There's, you click on settings and scroll down. Um, you just scroll down to the radio button and it basically says, you know, U.S. servers or EU servers. And you, what you do is select EU servers, then that means all of the servers that you use will be in the EU, which is which is better, I think. Speaking of EU and Brexit, uh, have you ever heard of, of Cambridge Analytica? Yes, uh, I have. Which, which uh, brought to us the press that we have, the, you know, the, the buffoon in the Oval Office. They tagged <laughs> about... Being responsible for Brexit, they yeah, manipulate entire countries' elections. Right. This is this is what we get. I yeah, he um, he harvested stuff from Facebook, right? Isn't that what it was? They harvested data or something. Um. Well, what they've done, what they did, there's a a, a documentary out about it. Uh, but anyway, they were inv- uh, investigated and and uh, uh, broken up, I guess. And then and, and the oh, press. Yeah. He immediately, after uh, some of them were fired, he immediately hired four of them uh, to work on his 2020 uh, campaign. Right. But, but the, what they did was they identified uh, people that were a little neurotic or on the fence in three states, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Midwestern states, in okay. order to swing the election, uh, the uh, uh, electoral votes, which happened. And that's how, how uh, and then they fed them disinformation. It is just so easy to, to feed disinformation to these people. You know, oh, yeah. they don't know the difference. You I know. know. Oh, I know. shit from the Shinola. <laughs> no, there you go. They have particular leanings one way or another. Yeah. And then they become, uh, you know, advocates for one thing or another. I know. Uh, I know. On, well, that's a, that's a form of mind control is what you're really saying, basically, unfortunately. Is. And behavior control. Yep. I agree. Well, I think one thing too, we need uh, paper ballots. Like also, you know, I know people are mesmerized as the the term is, you know, with uh, 
technology, computers, touch screens, you know. But I think like they do in Germany, uh, we need to have all of our elections on paper. So um, if you want to uh, audit, you know, the vote, you, you really need a physical, you know, hard copy. If you don't have paper ballots, you don't, like you say, you don't have anything. Because once that screen disappears, there's, this is usually proprietary, you know, software. You don't know what you have. You don't know what happened. There's no way to go back and do anything. Because, like I say, once that screen disappears, the software is proprietary, which means it's, you know you don't know what it is. So you don't know what you, you don't know what happened. We have no way to verify or validate or invalidate you know, election results. There's no way to to verify the uh, elections at all. The only way you can do that is if you have paper ballots. And I think. We almost need a constitutional amendment that says all states, I hate to say this, must have paper ballots. It's not optional. You can't have computer – I mean you can use a, like an optical scanner if you want to scan paper ballots. But at the end of the day, the, uh, the paper ballot is the official ballot. And I think like they do in Germany, we should hand count them, and if there's any you know, question or if there's a recount, you got the ballots, just recount them. You know, and uh, hopefully, you know, you're good to go at that point. But as long as you've got these uh, touch screens or whatever, you know, where you don't have any kind of uh, paper trail, um, you don't know what, like I say, you have fraud. You talk about fraud. Yeah, you have all kinds of fraud. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you have fraud. And uh, like, um, I mean, here, uh, the governor uh, here in Georgia, uh, this guy, I mean, he basically stole the election. I, You know, he's taking office uh, Thursday. I mean, it's a, it's a disgrace. He won 50.1% of the vote. <laughs> Can you imagine this? I mean, he won by like 0.1%. It's horrible. I mean, and I, I think he knows, you know, he obviously stole the election. He's not, I, he would, if we'd had paper ballots and if we hadn't had the kind of shenanigans, I don't think he would have been elected. It's just that simple. Okay. He was in charge. Is he the one? Right. No, that's right. 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 He was running the um, Secretary of State's office. Right. And he didn't step down until late. I think like in December or something. I mean, it's just insane. And so now he's elected. He has no mandate. He doesn't have a mandate. Has she thrown in the towel? No. Well, she. Yeah, I think she conceded because they just couldn't get enough votes. But she has a lot of uh, lawsuits, and they're still going forward. They're still going forward. Hopefully, um, in the next month or so, they're going to go to paper ballots. If that happens, um, I think you're going to see a different election in, in two years. I do. I think in 2020, we were going to see a completely different type of election here, which is good. You know, that'd be a good thing. So, but like I said, you know, it, this is a this is a tough, tough, tough thing. I mean, you're talking about geoengineering and all this other, you know, crazy stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what the solution is on all of that. You know, it's just such a multifaceted uh, problem. Um, there, there are no simple solutions, right? I mean, I don't. I'm not sure that there are. Losing it, uh, you know, just like, just like uh, the mommies have done, you know, with the, uh, with the, uh, with the Google, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Facebook. They hit them in the pocketbook. There you go. No, not in the pocketbook. The kids, the watching the harm and damage that's caused by the cell phones and the, the iPads. Right, to their children. They have yeah, I hear you. They, no, have, uh, they have thought about not only economic, but a cultural change. A cultural well, I agree with you. I absolutely agree. I see people more. walking around. They're, they're like, like just, what do you call it? They're just like, like zombies. They're just looking at their cell phones. I'm like, wow. Right. 
there, there's more, you know, there are three articles in Sunday's paper about this subject. And one of them was about the harm that the blue light is doing. Oh, wow. All the lights that we have out there, you know, are harmful. Uh, speaking of fraud and corruption, you know, we know need to take back our power you yeah, know, right. and demand safe products. Yeah. Uh, uh, lights, street lights, uh, uh, flashlights, uh, mm-hmm. headlights. Uh, you mean, you're saying, when you say the lights, you mean the, the lights, the, the street lights, or what, what lights are you talking about? All of them. The street oh, wow. lights are all made into, like, transmitters so that they can transmit data, but in doing so, of course, they transmit freak, harmful frequencies. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. China has been using lights for transmission of data for years and years. Oh, yeah, well, go figure. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. Uh, and the headlights. How do you feel when you're driving at night? Do you notice any any discomfort? Well, some people, I know they have these, like, like blue lights. You know, it's like, I guess they're, like, trying to pimp their ride, as they say. But, yeah, they are very bright, and um, you don't have a lot of people doing it, but, you know, people who drive, like, you know, sports cars or, you know, I guess they're trying to be impressive or something. Um, they might have these like blue lights and they, yeah, they hurt your eyes. I mean, they're very, they're, they're actually painful though. And when you look at them, they hurt so physically. What happened? what happened to the days where there was some regulatory oversight on, on, um, products? No. <laughs> well, that's always been an issue. I think well, the, 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 we used to have, you know, um, more, more. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there was more oversight. Um, it's always been, and this is my theory, the love of money. Not money, but the love of it is the root of all evil, and I think that's true, uh, and I think we see that on a daily basis. There's nothing wrong with you know money in and of itself because it can be used for either good or for bad, right? But it's when you love it, when it becomes like an idol, yeah, then you're going to have problems, absolutely. Here, here, here's another thing that's not generally discussed very much, and it's underanalyzed. According to a Georgetown professor, a guy, who said that the role of gender under analyzed in this whole thing and that is mm-hmm. true you know uh, these telecoms are run primarily by men and, uh, Elon Musk you know they're putting it they like to make rockets that are like a sort of like this <laughs> thing you know uh-huh. they go boom and they send a stuff up into the air like satellites uh-huh. which are right. beaming down uh, harmful radiation to skin we need to have more of a, a, a female mind and I don't care if it's in the body of a male or not but we need to have well, no, I was going to say though you have the lady at well, Hewlett Packard she was spying on her um, employees right well, we're talking I'm talking about war and aggression and violence we need, okay. to, uh, we need to well you may be right I mean I, I don't know you're right most of the CEOs they are men I, I agree with you and uh, maybe I don't know maybe if you put some ladies in there Songs are extremely attractive. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, right? Extremely attractive CEOs. I, I think that actually that's a good, you know, for a marketing purpose. I'm not being sexist, but seriously, a, a, a very attractive, very intelligent woman. I think that would be outstanding. No, but I, I'm being kind of funny. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I've always said that um, I think that we need to live, we need to emphasize more of a meritocracy rather than a... Um, uh, do you what do you call it? Nepotism? Nepotism is no good. What is your wife, you know, just generally, um, uh, she, I trust she works uh, outside the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is, mind telling me, us, 
ballpark generally of what she does? Oh, you mean what kind of work? Um, it's a para, she's a paralegal. Oh. So yeah, it's. Um, I wish I wish she were a lawyer. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, she doesn't know about this, honestly. So. About uh, what? Well, about the you know, the situation we deal with here. So, um, the, 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 the targeting. The targeting, right? She doesn't know about that. No, no. Go ahead, Linda. Hey, Linda. <clears throat> Linda. Oh. How you doing, hon? I'm okay. Go ahead and have at it with him. <laughs> no, I'm fighting with some people online. <laughs> Going after some 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 Trump lovers. <laughs> oh, oh, let They're in California. an Obama group. You know, it's like, oh, go away. Anyway. Well, see, that's the whole thing. If they can get us to divide over that left-right, you yep. know, paradigm that left right false left right divide then they got us that's that's it is that's what is it divided we happening. fall united we stand i mean yeah. we may not agree on everything you know uh, i understand that but i really feel like uh, the politics is used not not to try to move forward and you know like that it's but it's used to divide us it's used to divide the public and it's very effective apparently unfortunately but that's why i don't you know, I don't really subscribe to a political party anymore, per se. Um, I just, you know, I just wish, like, uh, I think her name's, is it Melinda or Linda? Linda was saying, uh, you know, uh, you know, Google, Apple, uh, Facebook, and all these companies, they lost uh, a trillion, a trillion dollars. That's good news. I'm glad to hear that. I, mean, I, I really am. I'm serious. Because that means people are finally realizing, you know. Well, it also has something to do with the tariff war. And, oh, the tariffs? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And, um, Apple, oh, that's okay. Apple's having issues with, with China. A lot of it comes from China. That's right. I mm -hmm. forgot about that. Mm -hmm. That's so, a good point. Well, they, Linda, they you, know, you might, might be correct on that, but here, here's something oh, I am, in the yeah. article uh, that's written by Naomi Schaefer Riley, who is uh, 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 visiting a fellow at the American uh, American. Enterprise Institute studying child welfare issues. This article is reprinted from the Los Angeles Times. But in it, in it, she makes reference to. It says she traces the tech backlash of 2018 to the end of 2017 with the publication of uh, Jean Twinge's Atlantic article. Here's here's the name of the article. Uh, Have smartphones destroyed a generation? Oh wow. Isn't and so what she says here is it spreads through the mommy blogosphere like wildfire. Wow. You could actually watch the social media conversation moved from from iPads or just like comic books were 50 years ago. Ooh, ooh. Wait, why are those suicide numbers so high? No, because the kids, they are committing suicides. Really? So, and so are older people. So you know, sad. the demographics... Uh, of uh, 35 to 54, suicides are are up. Oh my! Wow. Well, I lost my cell phone. Maybe that was prophetic. Because <laughs> I, I haven't been able to find it. Actually, uh, maybe maybe I'm not supposed to. I guess I don't know. Um, 
but people are still trying to reach me because they tell me, he's like, I dialed, I dialed uh, your cell phone, but you didn't answer. <laughs> I was like, I, was like I, I don't tell them that I can't find it. Um, I literally cannot find the thing. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just get a flip phone. And let me ask you this. The flip phones, those are a lot safer. Is that true or, or is that not true? That's exactly what the, the other ones are doing. That's right. They're going back to flip phones. And the reason okay. Okay. they're safer. What's your first name, please? Uh, uh, David. Okay, and I'm, I'm Linda, EMF Linda in Northern California. The EMF reason why they're okay. safe, David, mm-hmm. because they have less, like they only have one antenna in them. Gotcha. And the newer ones have, have, they keep getting more and more antennas in them, and so that allows them to have more frequencies. Got it. You know, more broadband, and that makes it more dangerous. Huh. Interesting. Okay. All uh, right, so maybe I need to go get me a flip phone. I can probably go do that tomorrow. Okay. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. Alternative, too. Do, do what now? No, I just said they're cheaper, too. Oh, I thought you said keep two of them. <laughs> no, 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 I said they're cheaper. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the the, the, the oh, perfect, perfect. I don't want to encourage the wireless industry at all. Right. Better, <laughs> possibly could is is to to get a, a fully corded a landline phone. Oh yeah. Well, now does is VoIP? Do you consider that a true uh, landline or not? I don't know what that is. You know, VoIP? voice over internet protocol. Well, that means we reduce a computer. Right. Well, well, using broadband, right, and or a cable modem or a DSL. You can put you can plug a phone into a modem. You can yeah, yeah. plug a landline in. But I'm wondering if that's a true uh, landline because VoIP goes over uh, the internet. Yeah, over. but as as long as your phone itself is not using frequencies, it's, it's oh, plugged in. Okay. So you're you're not getting that. Uh, mm, I don't think okay. so. I can't imagine. Yeah, because my phone is not a um, yeah, it's not a uh, cordless actually. It does have a cord. So that's yeah, cool. there you go. Okay, well. Are you talking about a decked phone? A decked, a digitally enhanced cordless telephone? No, no. Mine is like old school, you know, touch tone. <laughs> um, uh, looks like something out of the 1980s. <laughs> you can get, you know, they still make a, a speaker phone like what I'm on. And that allows- oh, yeah. Those are, no, mine doesn't have a speaker, though. It doesn't have that, unfortunately. I, I think I might get one, though, because I, I, I like the speaker. Yeah. I do like that. Okay. All right. Yeah, Perfect. You can't use that on calls. You can't use your speaker phone on calls. No, you can't because you get a lot of distortion. That's true. A lot of feedback in yeah, you do. I'm on the speakerphone. I'm on a Panasonic uh, uh, speakerphone that I got from SEMF years ago. Oh. It must have some good noise canceling. Well, I don't know. I, I paid about 90 bucks for it. and then, Oh, there you go. Uh, it's yeah. not. The only reason why they, they were selling it is the only phone is because not that it's anything really special, except for it's got a jack for the air air tube that you could plug in your ear which oh. is really kind of inconvenient i don't right right okay oh uh, hey guys um it is starting to get later and later oh, it later. Is. and it's really um, late here <laughs> conversations going on and on and on but anyway um okay. let's see if ryan is here he can announce his call right. uh otherwise i'm going to go ahead and sign off for tonight understandable okay and Okay, well, guys, we'll have a good week. And okay. We'll talk to you okay. Soon.
Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Goodbye.